Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. It is so good to be with you. I wish I could hear all your answers about how, who you want to be like. So whether you are here in person or watching online, we are so glad that you're here. Uh, I'm Kelly, one of the pastors here, and in a minute we're going to get into our series, A How-To for a New You. And the whole series is, is about the fact that as people that want to follow Jesus, we realize that means we're constantly changing. We're constantly transforming. And instead of doing it in this big, like, New Year's, huge goals way, what are the shifts that we can make in our life so that we can walk more in rhythm with Jesus? So we're going to get to that in just a minute. But before we do, it is a significant weekend because it is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. And we don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want it to pass by without recognizing this amazing leader whose audacious courage to press through tremendous opposition, opposition that eventually cost him his life, and uh, pushing through the cultural norms of the day, dared people to dream of a reality beyond segregation and oppression and straight ignorance. A day where people wouldn't be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And that is a God-ordained dream that we are still longing to be fully realized. You know, last week I was reading my kids a book about Rosa Parks that we have, and it explains segregation and the laws and her time. And it was actually discouraging to read because I couldn't help but think about how our neighborhoods in Chicago are still segregated and how the lived experiences of white folks like me and black folks and people of color is just so unnecessarily different in 2022 because of systemic racism that it's still alive and it's still well. So we've come far and we've got a long way to go. And in the words of MLK, the time is always right to do what's right. So as a church and as individuals, we're committed to doing that work alongside one another, one imperfect step at a time. And we believe that's the work that God calls us to do. And at Soul City, we believe that the work of justice is the work of transformation, that it's one of the ways that we become more like Christ. And that's why it's important for us to recognize this day and how important it is to our history. So happy MLK Day to all of us. And may remembering the legacy of this man remind us of the work that we're called to do. And certainly part of that work is looking at how do we interact with each other? How do we interact with the world around us? And that starts by inviting God to transform us from the inside out. And that's what this series, A How-To for a New You, is all about. But I want to start with some good news. Does anyone want some good news for a change? Put your hands in the air if you are here for some good news, okay? Put your hands up in the comment section. We could all use some good news, right? Well, I know a way for you to, um, one, improve your physical health, two, experience more happiness, and three, increase engagement and achievement at your job. Who's in, right? It sounds pretty good, right? Uh, it's not a pill, it's not a meditation app, it's not a new Peloton, and it's not an e-course, and it's not even a salary increase, which is a little shocking. I mean, who doesn't want a salary increase, right? It's actually called having good friends. Who doesn't want good friends? And here's what I can guarantee you. 
You will have a really tough time in life if you don't know how to find and form good, true friends. You know, the quality of your relationships is an X factor for living more fully into the life that God has for you. Has anyone else found this to be true? We all know that there are many different types of friends. Work friends that you grab lunch with and vent to in the middle of the day, those are important. Uh, The ones that you watch the game with, the ones that you call when you're in trouble. But regardless of the friends that we have, what is undeniable is that our friends have a tremendous impact on our lives and even our health. You know, I read study after study in preparation for this message about how our friends affect our eating and exercise habits for better or for worse. Now, case in point, my husband, Mark, when we were dating, he did not eat hot dogs. You know, it was something about the fact that they're made of disgusting animal body parts all smushed together. But don't worry, over many years of marriage, he now enjoys a good Portillo's hot dog, just like I did. I have had an undeniable effect on his health. Now, you might have heard the quote, um, show me your friends and I will show you your future. You know, who you are rubs off on other people and who they are rubs off on you too. And even the most critically minded people are not safe. And it should be this way, right? If we choose to have someone in our inner circle, there's probably something in them that we see that we hope to be like. Now, I don't know if this has happened to you, but I even start to dress like the people around me, or maybe they dress like me. Uh, And this happens on our staff team all the time. Okay, here's a picture of Jeannie and I not too long ago, both in our camo and green jackets and the faded black jeans and the sneakers. But then we also have Lindsay and Allie too. They didn't plan this, guys. They just showed up for work this day, okay? And they're red and black plaid. They were ready. But this is not just a female problem, okay? It happens with the guys too. This is just this week in prayer, Sawyer and John both walk in rocking the beanie and sweatshirt and black jeans. It's a look, you know? You know, we know that friends have significant influence over us and us over them, and it makes sense. We are literally designed by God with this compulsion to be complete, and not just in a marriage partnership sort of way, but in in a way that our souls desire to be in connection with others. And when we don't feel that way, I oftentimes think that it's because we've been hurt in relationships, maybe significantly. I know it's part of my story. And so we try to cut that part of us out or just push it down. But what's true is we need friends. They help us to enjoy life and to make memories and to walk through struggles and to laugh and overall just contribute to us feeling well in the world. You know, friendship is one of God's special gifts to humans. And whether we like it or not, we are dependent on one another. We want and need love. We want and need to belong. And that is all good. But if you're anything like me, sometimes in your relationships, you're longing for more. Whether you want new friends because the, one that, the ones that you had moved to Nashville like everybody else warmer there and there's no taxes, or uh, you want to take your friendships to a new level. You know, maybe you walk away from interactions feeling like it wasn't real, or we didn't say the thing we really wanted to say, or just feel surfacy and not as deep as you want to go. I know sometimes I feel that way, but if we ever want to see our lives be all that God longs for them to be, we have to start surrounding ourselves with people who will help us get there and also be the people who will help to do the same for others. Because you have to, you have, 
to, ha to have friends, you have to also be a friend. And what I found is that there are some practices that will move your relationships from surface friendships to spiritual friendships. Now, not all relationships will be spiritual, nor they should be, but without these types of relationships, we're not gonna grow and become all of who God wants us to be. And that's why the scripture is filled with wisdom about friendship and community and what it means to truly love one another. And there's actually a story in the Bible that illustrates what true spiritual friendship looks like so beautifully that if all you remember from our time together this morning is this story, it will transform you, which is the promise of God about his word. So if you're here in the building at Soul City, I wanna encourage you, grab a Bible from underneath you and we're gonna to turn to page 813. And if you're online, we're gonna open up to Mark 2, verses one through 12. And again, we're just looking at page 813. So Mark is one of the four gospels that tells the story of Jesus, and his style is pretty quick and to the point and action-packed. And right before the story that we're going to read, Jesus has been very busy. He's called his disciples. He is teaching up a storm. He's driving out evil spirits. He's healing the sick, even a man with leprosy. And as you can imagine, he's getting really popular and crowds are following him at this point. Now just picture if Jesus were here today walking around, placing his hands on people and instantly healing them from COVID, releasing them from quarantine, okay? You think the lines for testing are long? The lines for Jesus would be much, much longer. So that's the feeling in the culture. And this is where the story picks up in Mark 2 verse 1 where Jesus is at a home. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So picture the most crowded house party you've ever been to. But there are like layers and layers deep of people outside that you're just like straining to hear what Jesus is going to say. It says, some men came in, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. Now, can you just imagine being there for a moment and seeing this miracle before your very eyes? This man who was paralyzed, who many of them knew or had walked past dozens of times, carried in on a stretcher, grabs his mat and walks out the door. Oh my goodness, Jesus says the word and he's healed. 
And I cannot hear that story and not be amazed at the power and the goodness of Jesus. But I also wonder, what would have happened to that man without his friends? What would have happened to him? Now, we don't know a lot about the friends, how long they had been friends, if the paralyzed man had asked him to take him to Jesus. But I would assume these folks knew about Jesus, had heard about him, maybe even seen him heal other people. And then one of them decides, we got to take him to Jesus. Now, there was no wheelchairs then, right? So they had to physically carry him. And I don't know how long they had to travel, but it was probably pretty taxing and challenging for even the most devoted CrossFitter of Jesus's day. And then when they get there, they're probably hoping for like a well-formed healing line, but instead it's just mobbed. And Jesus isn't even teaching. He's not even healing, he's teaching. So when they can't push through the crowd, they come up with a plan to dig a hole through the roof, okay? This is a pretty radical plan. Now imagine them just saying to the paralyzed man, hey, wait here, we're just gonna go up to the roof and dig a hole, right? They made the call to ruin someone's house. Like I'm a pretty bold person, but I don't know if I would've went to those lengths to do what they did. So they dig a hole through the roof and they find a way to get the man up there and then they lower him down. And in some translations it says, they lower him right in front of Jesus. Not, not behind them or to the side. And it, it's like uh, the disciples or these friends were just screaming to Jesus, heal our friend. They're, they're forcing Jesus like, he's right in front of you. What are you gonna do? We don't know what words were recorded, but their actions spoke much louder than their words. So I just wonder, you know, as you hear this story about these friends and about the tremendous lengths that they went to after making a huge risk and making themselves uncomfortable, making a mess, disrupting Jesus of all people for the well-being of their friend. And did you catch that one last part that it said in verse five about when Jesus healed the friend? Let's put verse five up again. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw the faith of the friends, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. It says he was moved by seeing the faith of his friends. Now that is a picture of true spiritual friendship. And I just wonder, do you have friends like that? Friends that would drop everything, move major obstacles, not when it's convenient for them, but because you had a desperate need and they would not let you face it on your own. Friends that would bring you face to face with Jesus. Don't we all want friends like that? And are you a friend like that? Someone that loves sacrificially and not just when you're feeling up to it and you have the time available, but someone that sits with others, not just in the highs, but in the lows and helps your friends move towards healing and wholeness and ultimately towards God. I know friendships like these are what most of us long for in life. I do. I want to be seen and known and celebrated. I want to do that for other people. We want to walk alongside people in life and hear and share our stories and really go deep. You know, it's simply the way we were meant to live. So how do we move our friendships from to the next level so they look like something that we just talked about? Don't we all want relationships like these? 
Now, I have a few ways for us to practice this. And I truly believe that if you practice these in your relationships, God is going to transform them. Now, when it comes to transformation in my own life, in my head, I think of it as like a light switch that I just flick from on to off. I was even talking with my counselor about that this week. You know, I want the change relatively fast. Okay, I actually want it really fast. I want it to move from desire to change to change actualized in the time it takes an Amazon package to arrive at my house. Like 48 hours, totally acceptable. I was a mediocre friend, and now I'm a great friend with this one simple prayer. And 48 hours later, here I am. But practicing is an action by definition. It means to perform an activity or skill repeatedly or regularly in order to improve or maintain one's proficiency. And my desire is that our community would practice these habits together, not perfectly, but consistently and regularly. And as I walk through these, I'd love for you to pick one of the friendships in your life to filter these principles through and see how it fares and maybe where it could grow. These are not one-time quick fixes, but ways to be in a habit of being a true friend. And one of the ways that we practice that is by showing up. Now, this phrase, show up, can be taken multiple ways. Like what first comes to mind is physically showing up, being present, prioritizing your relationships, spending time together. You know, the friends that carried the paralyzed man, they showed up for him in a true time of need. But I think many of us already know how to do that. What I want to press into today is showing up by being present in our heart and mind and body and soul with all of us, showing up with our true authentic selves. Because when we're present that way, we are truly available to other people. You know, so often when we show up with other people, our default setting is just to fix, to identify what the problem someone has and jump in with the solution. Heck, sometimes even jumping in to do something spiritual like prayer is a way of going into fix it mode. But when we show up and our desire is to be present, we're in a posture of with. And in my mind, I picture it not only as our bodies turn towards each other, but our insides, our souls too. It's when your attention is turned towards your friend without an agenda or without a need to fix or give advice. It's the experience of being at rest in yourself so you can truly do that with the other person. Just be. It's a posture of openness, an open mind and an open heart. And we allow our soul to open up so it can connect with someone else. We're curious. We don't force anything when we show up because we're just wanting to be present. And when we can do that, what's inside can come out. Not just the glossed over stuff of like, how's things at work? But conversations about things that are at a heart level things like how we're really doing and what's hard and what's giving us life right now. This summer, I was having dinner with some friends at a really nice Italian restaurant in the city. And to give you a little context, between these four friends, we have 15 children all together. It's a lot of children. So when it's just us, like, oh, it's just so nice. It's us, and it's the summer, and none of us had COVID, and we're enjoying a beautiful meal. And one of my friends brought up the light conversation starter of, what's everyone's biggest struggle right now? I think we should go around and share all of our biggest struggles. And I'll be honest, it was a little bit of a buzzkill in the moment. Uh, My feeling when she said that was, 
I don't really want to. I thought maybe we would catch up about how the kids are doing and hear some funny dating stories. But that intentionality actually paved the way for us to have a vulnerable, real conversation, a way for us to actually see each other in the moment and be reminded that we're not alone. It invited us to be in the here and now with each other. And I don't, know, I don't remember what I shared that night, but I just remember how I felt. And I felt like I could just exhale. You know, sometimes I don't show up all the way because I'm just tired. And sometimes I'm just lazy too. I know it's gonna take more work. And I've had friends call me on it and just say like, hey, are you here? Are you okay? And sometimes I know I can just be checked out. And even though my body's there, my heart and my mind aren't. Sometimes, if I'm honest, I can phone it in. And allow me to let us all off the hook a bit. It's hard to be present like this, like I'm describing in certain settings, right? Like, won't work too well at a party. And some friendship interactions are just really practical. Like, hey, did you Venmo me for your portion of dinner last night, right? Like, that's real friendship talk, too. But this type of showing up is not an every time you interact type of principle. However, true friendships are marked by these safe conversations where each person can show up with what is happening beneath the surface. And when I'm practicing presence, I'm showing up with all of me. My phone is put away. I'm growing in curiosity as I'm learning about the other person. Maybe I'm even hearing promptings from the spirit as I listen to them talk. You know, when we bring our true, unedited, non-pretending selves, we lovingly create space and expectations for our friends to do the same. And then the next natural outpouring when we're practicing showing up, like truly showing up with one another, is that we speak truth. We speak truth. You know, it's, it's the next habit that kind of naturally overflows. And spiritual friends speak truth because love demands honesty. We believe that love demands honesty, right? And truth is essential for transformation. You know, these types of friends are grounded in the reality of the here and now, and they are not afraid to say the things that might hurt your feelings. They love you enough to take the risk and be courageous. You know, there are some relationships where the friends are just the cheerleaders of each other, right? Where every decision, they're excited for you, and they lack the critical thinking to sometimes push you to be really wise or to reconsider a different decision. Or maybe in your friendship, you're the one that struggles to say what you're really thinking because you fear the other person may not receive it well. See, real friends actually say the hard things, and they say them in love, of course, because the truth without love is brutality. They say them because they know that we want to grow. Now, we all have that friend that just says everything they're thinking, right? And it's honest, but it's just too much. And as I'm saying that, if you can't think of who that person is in your life, it's probably you. And, uh, I, and I know that because it's probably me and my friendships, so the true story. But even true friends may give us feedback that hurts sometimes or stings. But if you expect that real friendship is always going to feel like a warm blanket, comfortable and safe, it's going to be really hard to cultivate deep and meaningful relationships. You know, it might feel comfortable and safe sometimes, but even good relationships can sting a bit. 
And when we receive feedback, it doesn't always feel like a gift at the time, does it? We don't always have the maturity and the presence of mind to be grateful for the truth in the moment, especially when we don't ask for it. But we all wanna be loved enough that people would say what's true to our faces. And just this week, I asked a friend for some thoughts on something I'm working on, and his response was honest and not super affirming. And it did not feel fuzzy nor uplifting at the time, but he was right. And that is the mark of a good friend. You know, speaking truth sounds like, uh, I noticed that you seem down lately and not like yourself. Are you okay? And it invites and welcomes the person to ask the same of you. It also sounds like you've got something in your teeth right there. And I just want to declare here, if you are not the type of friend that will point out the cilantro in your friend's teeth, you are not a true friend. I would break up with you if you did not tell me. And you get bonus points if you actually like get in there with your fingernails to get it out. Because sometimes it's hard to locate on your own sometimes, you know? But ultimately, friends desire each other's growth over comfortability and harmony. And that's why truth is a critical part of real relationships worth having and invites us to confront illusions about ourselves that we would have otherwise held on to, and dares us to risk temporary discomfort by calling us out. A few months ago, I was talking to my friend Ray about a tough situation I was in here at Soul City, and he looked at me with clarity and conviction in his eyes, and he said, Kelly, this is a big girl problem, and you are a big, descriptive word, girl. And in not so many words, he just said to me, step in and step up. You can do this. Don't play small. And I like got out my phone and furiously typed that in. You are a big girl. You can do this. But by daring to be honest with us, friends offer us opportunities to grow. And they help us to see things that we can't see on our own. One of my favorite authors, Dan Allender, talks about the fact that we cannot see our own faces. Have you ever noticed that? We walk around this world unaware of our own literal faces, and in order to see ourselves more clearly, we need the help of loving mirrors. And those loving mirrors are our spiritual friends that help us to see what we cannot see. Now, I know this does not feel easy or natural for a lot of us, and who doesn't want to live in soft, comfortable, warm blanket land? I like that land, especially in January. And it often seems easier at first. But if we live in that land, if we camp out there in our relationships, we run the risk of not growing. Your friendships need truth, and you need truth. And in some of the closest relationships, both people have this hunger and desire to connect to the truest part of themselves, and that's connecting with God. And that's the last practice I want to encourage you with, is seeking God together. Now, hopefully you've had some friendships that have passed the first two tests, that you practice really, truly showing up, and truth is spoken. But I would say this last one of seeking God together is probably the rarest in friendships. And if you have decided at any point that you want to incorporate Jesus or you want to follow Jesus and you want to be growing and transforming, then you have to have spiritual friends to help you seek God. You just cannot do it on your own. And here's the distinctive about spiritual friends. Spiritual friends help us pay attention to God. 
Really simple. Sometimes, like the friends in the story, they literally carry us to God. Now, most type of friends are good, but friends that help you to seek God, those are the ones you really need to cultivate. These types of friends have the capacity to restore life to our souls because they're connected to the true source of life. Spiritual friends are an outpost of the Holy Spirit. They have a living God inside of them. These are the friends that when they speak the truth, it's aligned with God. They pray with you, but not to fix you, to be with you and whatever you're going through. You might even pray together. You know, Jesus says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And that's one of the promises about friends that seek God together. They aren't doing it in their own power. They're fueled by the spirit that is leading and guiding and directing them. Spiritual friends help point each other in the direction of Jesus. And sometimes it's really overt and sometimes it's more subtle. They know that the most important part of your life is following Jesus and they do whatever they can do to help you live connected, whether it's calling out where they see God at work in your life or when you can't see it, they just remind you that God's there. Spiritual friends ask questions like, how's it going with you and God? Are you feeling close or angry or disconnected? And they don't ask so they, they can judge you or put you in a category of bad or good. They ask because they want to know you and they know you care about that stuff. And they know that a relationship with God ebbs and flows and sometimes it feels close and sometimes it feels far away and they just want to be in it with you. And I can't talk about spiritual friends without just recognizing the people in my life that have done this for me. Uh, people like my friend, Melissa, who's she's just sitting right up here. Uh, she's from the faraway land of Bolingbrook and she made it all the way out to the West Loop. And this woman has loved me and kicked my butt for real for 20 years. And there's other people like her too people like Lisa and Lauren and Beth and Kristen and Ray. And I just wonder this morning, who are those people for you? Who's really with you? You know, I think these three practices are powerful. And I also believe that if we have the courage to take risks in our relationships and do some of these things, that God will be faithful to transform us in community. I know he will, he promises to. It is his plan for transformation. It can't be done alone. That's why it's said in the Bible over and over, love one another, serve one another, celebrate one another. You can't transform even if you were on a desert island with just you and God in the Bible, you would need others. Pastor Jared would probably put it this way, transformation can't happen in isolation, right? We need other people. But I also wanna remind you as one of your pastors that there are no perfect relationships, no perfect friendships or marriages. Even your closest friends are gonna disappoint you and not get it all right. And you can't be a perfect friend either. No matter how hard you try or practice, there's only one person who's not gonna disappoint you that you can always trust. And that person is God. And I know that's a churchy answer, guilty. And I also believe it. Our ultimate hope is not in our friendships, but true, real friendships help point us back to our hope in God. 
And after hearing this word about spiritual friendships today, you might be sitting here thinking to yourself that one or more of your relationships is lacking some of these practices, that they might need a little bit of help. And I wanna encourage you, don't wait for someone else to initiate that, right? If you're here, if you're sitting in this room today, that is your invitation, that is your billboard from God to be the person to have the courage to lean in and to say something like, hey, I've been thinking about our friendship. I'm so grateful for it. I wanna practice listening to you a little bit better. Sometimes I can be distracted and I really wanna show up with you. Or, hey, I realized even though we both love God, we've never prayed together. Would you be open to trying to pray together? You know, I also want to acknowledge that there's many of you today that might not need to focus on bringing your relationships to a new, new level because you just need some new friends. And if that's your story, uh, you have come to the right place. I got to tell you, Soul City has a really good track record at helping, to people, helping people find friends and sometimes even spouses. I'm just saying it's happened before. And in a city like Chicago, that is so transient. That's one of the things that we hear from you all the most is that we want to find our people. We want to connect. We want to make friends. And at Soul City, the easiest way that you can do that is to sign up for a group. It's actually one of the things that the church does better than any other place I know. We know how to do community. And we've got all sorts of groups this session, things like cooking for a crowd to Bible nerds, groups for guys groups for girls, groups for married folks, for young professionals, groups for Bulls fans. That's all of us, right? Guys, that's all of us. You know I wouldn't be well if I didn't share about my love for the Chicago Bulls when I was up here. But the ingredients for true spiritual friendships are all there if you're willing to take a step and lean in. So no shame right now. Grab your phone. We got some QR codes. Sign up for a group. The group signups are live and they go quick. This is just what happens every time because people want friends and they want to sign up for the group they want to. So it's no skin off my back. You sign up. That's our goal is that we want Soul City to be a large interconnected group of people that are just loving one another so well. Well, I want to invite you to stand as we continue to worship. And I want to remind you that you were designed for relationship. You were designed to not do this life alone. So let's pray together. God, I just thank you that you've given us a community. You've given us this vision for what it means that we don't have to walk this life alone that you've given us other friends, other people that are on the journey with us. And I know in this room today, there are so many longings, maybe longings for healing from relationships or longings for new relationships or for our friendships to go to new and deeper levels. But we also know that ultimately, we just long to be close to you, that you are the one that holds us close, that keeps us safe, that draws us to yourself. And so we worship you, God. We adore you for that. And we call you good. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.